I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved Republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. No. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a Wednesday on the Radio Northwest Network. And are we going to talk about Donald Trump and the Colorado primary ballot? You better believe we are. But let me suggest something a little bit broader than that. Because I have made it today's Twitter poll. Should the states throw President Trump off the primary ballot for insurrection? Now, my short answer is no. I'll give you a longer answer and a few comments on that in the nonsense. But let me suggest something to you. Joe Biden's allies out there who realize he can't win have decided to set off a civil war of sorts in the election. And here's how it's working. Colorado yesterday throws Trump off the primary ballot. Now, I think that's going to be taken up by the U.S. Supreme Court. I think the U.S. Supreme Court is going to simply shoot that one down. But already, the lieutenant governor of California has announced that they are going to ask the elections officials to do everything they can to throw Trump off the ballot in California. Now, what's the natural response to that? The blue states start to line up. You know, the ones run by dimwit Democrats. And they're going to say, well, we'll throw Trump off the ballot everywhere we can. And already the GOP, the Republican Party, has already announced, you know, if you folks take that tack, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw Joe Biden off the primary ballot. I'm not joking. They've already made the threat. We'll throw Joe Biden off the ballot in all the red states we can convince to take that move. So, in effect, you'll have a presidential election in which the odds-on winner of the DNC nomination, Joe Biden, as pathetic and weak and demented as he is, the Democrats are almost obliged to give him the nomination. He gets thrown off primary ballots all across America. And at the same time, people are using the unconstitutional excuse of the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to throw Trump off the ballot everywhere they can. We could actually have an election where the two odds-on favorites to get the two nominations and Donald Trump virtually a lock to win in November will both be thrown off the ballots in about half of the states in America. Now, if that sounds like a a sensible way to proceed in an election year, it does not to me. But I'm going to tell you this, 
it's the Democrats and Joe Biden's allies who've decided to go this way. So should states throw President Trump off the primary election ballot in 2024 for the crime of insurrection? I would say no to that. You can vote on it any way you like. You'll find the question on X or Twitter at Lars Larson Show. And you'll find it on our website at LarsLarson.com. Always brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road. And running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Now, yesterday, you had something extraordinary happen because two days ago, the state of uh, the state legislature in Texas said, hey, we're going to make it a crime for a foreign national to illegally enter Texas as an immigration crime. In other words, since Joe Biden won't guard the border, since Joe Biden has sponsored, aided, and abetted a massive invasion of America, already of 9 million illegal aliens, and is doing tremendous damage across the landscape, if Biden won't do it, should the states enforce the law for them, as Texas is doing? Governor Greg Abbott signed the bills on Monday. They are now in effect. 97% of you said, yes, the state should enforce immigration law if the federal government refuses to do it. Only 3% of you are naysayers, and believe me, I'd love to talk to those naysayers about what their logic is. But in the meantime, I want to talk about a couple of other things. But first, welcome to the best conversation in talk journalism. It's right here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. I'm sure I'll get at least a few naysayers who want to debate the 14th Amendment. Come prepared, because I'm well prepared. I know what the amendment says. I know what it doesn't say. I know why it doesn't apply to Donald Trump. And I know why Donald Trump should still be on the uh, primary ballot in Colorado. And on top of that, you've also already got Vivek Ramaswamy, one of the candidates who's not going to get the Republican nomination, might get vice president, but he's not going to get the Republican nomination. He's already said, if they throw Trump off the primary ballot, I'm withdrawing my name from the primary ballot. Ron DeSantis, on the other hand, says he'll stay on the primary ballot. And the GOP in Colorado, they've already said, if they're going to wreck the primary by taking away our candidate of choice, we'll simply go to a caucus system, which the party is free to do. Because remember, while the primary election is a state election in Colorado and every other state that has a primary, it's for the purpose of the party picking its nominee. So what the Supreme Court of Colorado has done is they've told Coloradans, you're not allowed to vote for this guy. And the Republican Party rightly, rightfully is standing up saying, we're going to give you a way to opt for Donald Trump. To heck with the state primary election. Colorado has done itself in, and chances are the Supreme Court will throw it out anyway. But let me tell you about something that's going on in the Northwest. We've been talking for most of the last three years about the fact that prosecutors won't do their jobs and prosecute criminals. You know, the defund the police nonsense that came out of the death of George Floyd. Well, the fact is, it's, it's a bad situation. It has been since the get-go. They don't want to prosecute violent crimes. They don't want to prosecute some of the most horrendous crimes out there. And there's a great example of where this is going on. Our friends at Como News, the TV station up in Seattle, uh, actually did the digging on this one, so I'll give them credit. But a government watchdog group is calling on the Department of Justice and Attorney General Bob Ferguson, who's running for governor, so he'll probably ignore this. Uh, but they want to investigate the King County Prosecutor's Office Juvenile Dimension Division. Now, before your eyes glaze over, let me tell you this. Imagine that your teenage daughter has been raped. 
And this is not a uh, a date rape situation. It's not, is there a question about consent or consensual that this is boyfriend and girlfriend? This is a teenage girl who now almost three years ago was raped by a stranger, somebody she did not know. He was also a teenager that she had just met, except that what Como dug out was that prosecutors in their emails said, yeah, we're not interested in getting any of the key forensic evidence. We don't want the cell phone data. We don't want the text messages. We don't want fingerprints. We don't even want the DNA gathered. And in almost three years, the King County Prosecutor's Office has never brought charges. I can tell you, since I've covered crimes like this before, a stranger rape of somebody is extraordinarily unusual. And it doesn't raise some of the usual objections. If you've got a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or there's a question of whether or not one party consented or the other party consented, this is a rape by a stranger of a teenage girl, a minor. This should be taken very seriously. And then when they dug further, they found out the King County Sexual Assault Resource Center says the King County Prosecutor's Office has only charged 17% in the juvenile division, 17% of sexual assault cases. So if you're the parent of a daughter, if you're the grandparent of a granddaughter, and she's been raped, you've got less than a one in five chance that that case will even be prosecuted. That is absolutely outrageous. It needs to be fixed. And King County's prosecutor should explain just what the heck is going on. Glad to be with you on a Wednesday. Coming up in just a moment, I want to talk about the kind of American government that would say, if I can't beat my opponent, I'll either throw them in jail or toss them right off the ballot. And you know who I'm talking about. Let's go, Brandon. Back in a moment, you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network and the Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. People always ask Lars if he wants to run for public office, like president. Do you know how much power I'd have to give up to be president? This is the Lars Larson Show. That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, you're bloody well right, you know you got a right to say it. 
This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias. Only corrupt dictators maintain their power by throwing their opponents in jail or throwing them off the ballot. Joe Biden and his allies have tried both and they're still losing. Four court cases in four states brought 91 criminal charges against President Donald Trump. That's not working. Now the Colorado Supreme Court has removed him from the primary election ballot. That's not working. The court relies on the 14th Amendment to ban its own voters from even casting ballots for that mean tweeter. Well, Congress wrote the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution to keep Confederate military members who did engage in armed insurrection against the United States from running for office. The House of Representatives charged Trump with insurrection in its last-minute evidence-free impeachment back in 2001 or sorry, 2021. But remember, the Senate acquitted him of that charge. Even the Biden FBI found no Trump insurrection. And believe me, the FBI looked for it. If they'd found it, they'd have been glad to bring it forward. They've been acting on behalf of the Democrat Party for a long time. And if you work for the FBI, your agency is a shameful, politicized, weaponized agency. No matter, the Democrat Party doesn't let the facts of the Constitution get in its way when their demented leader is sucking wind and destined to lose. Joe Biden's new approval rating this week has dropped to 34 percent. That's down 10 percentage points from July. It's a joke. So if you can't beat him, impeach him, but you can't. Jail him, but you can't. Tell citizens you won't let them vote for him, meaning Donald Trump. Now that's true desperation. The U.S. Supreme Court is going to take this case up, I expect, and they will shoot down this unconstitutional move, along with Joe's last gasp at staying in power and out of prison for corruption. Oh, and by the way, a little breaking news, California's lieutenant governor has written to the secretary of state saying explore every legal action to remove Trump from California's 2024 primary ballot. And our question of the day, guy writes in, and I love this, Lars, I was in Home Depot getting some two-by-fours. The labeling on the stack of lumber said it was from Germany. Why are we importing two-by-fours and how is this cost affordable? Well, I can tell you this. I've been complaining about this for years. America imports about half of its dimensional lumber, meaning the stuff they build houses and buildings out of. It doesn't make any sense for a country that has more trees standing on American land today than there were when Columbus landed. So uh, should we be importing wood from other countries? Absolutely not, unless it's something you can't grow in America. And just about every kind of tree grows in America. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. I'm going to give today's Daily Grill to Colorado and perhaps soon to California for unconstitutionally denying its citizens the right to vote for the candidate of their choice. Today's best email, but you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com. Linda writes in, Lars, 
We own six rental units in Oregon. One of the tenants is not paying, and she's done major damage to the unit. She has more rights than we do. She got a 90-day notice, so we offered her cash for the keys, and she took it. We pay half this coming Saturday. However, we're nervous she's going to scam us and not move out. What does this world come to? Criminals and scammers have more rights than hardworking people. We're both 75 years of age, writes Linda, and these rentals are our retirement as we have no 401k. We're selling one of our duplexes because if you own more than four, you have less rights, so one of them closes on January 2nd. We've been picking berries and beans at age 75 since we're in third grade, and this generation is learning how to live on our tax dollars and defraud hardworking people. We could have let his tenants stay another 90 days for free, which totals five months, as she hasn't paid November or December. What a deal. Signed, Linda. To your calls now. Let's start with Ron in Tacoma. Hey, Ron, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Well, Lars, you know, here we go again. Uh, you know... <laughs> I'm not exactly sure how it, maybe you can explain to the public here how it is that these prosecutors and these people that are in power are bastardizing the law. You know, I don't know how you keep your law license doing this. Uh, I, I don't either. I, I don't either, except for this, Ron. Let me suggest something to you. If, uh, if somebody working for Attorney General Bob Ferguson, hard left-wing Democrat seeking to be governor of Washington State, decides to go out and do something that's completely illegal, unconstitutional, but it's good for the Democrat Party, do you think Bob Ferguson is going to call him into his office and say, you're not doing that anymore? No, but, you know, no. here's the thing. Uh, I'm a victim now. This is election fraud. And uh, these people have to be accountable to America, and they're not. They seem to think, well, uh, they, it's, it's all about Trump. No, you're defying my ability to uh, have an honest election. Yep. So now you, I, have a, I should have a tort over this, Lars. I, I think you should. I don't think you do legally. I'm not a lawyer. But think about this, Ron. You've got all these people saying you can't question elections unless you have a D in front of your name. I mean, if you're Stacey Abrams, if you're Joe Biden, if you're Al Gore, if you're Barack Obama, you can question elections all day long and twice on Sunday. But if you're a Republican and you question it, you say, well, you're an election denier. If they want to rebuild trust in elections, uh, Joe Biden should tell his friends and allies, stop kicking Trump off the ballot. You have no business doing so, and you're only earning the people's disrespect. Ron, thanks for listening on KVI and listening in Tacoma. Let's go to uh, Keith. Hey, Keith, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Well, I was thinking about the if states decide to uh, eliminate candidate names off of the primaries and you know god forbid that they decide to you know the national elections decide to do that on the uh, 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 presidential election how long do you suppose it would take the election counters the ballot counters to count all of the write-in ballots uh, because the candidates it, it'll take a long time but keith you know why it'll never get to that the colorado gop has already sent the signal of what they're going to do they say if you keep the number one candidate off the Republican Party ballot, because that's all that primary is about, is the Republican Party choosing its nominee. In some ways, it's not even it's not even a whole statewide election, because all this is for is to help the party choose its nominee. The Republican Party has told Colorado already, if you do this, we will simply 
withdraw from the primary, we'll hold caucuses instead, and we, the GOP, will choose our own nominee without the benefit of a primary. So it hurts the people because it locks them out of a vote at the primary, but the party can still choose whatever nominee it wants. Joe Biden's, you know, his allies doing this kind of thing is foolish beyond all measure because the GOP will withdraw. You've already got candidates saying they'll withdraw from the primary. You'll turn, turn the primary into nothing. And Colorado is foolish to take this direction. Plus, if you read the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, it doesn't at all say that Donald Trump can be removed from the ballot. And why? Because you have to have engaged in insurrection. And even the Joe Biden FBI agrees Donald Trump did not engage in insurrection. So, you've already, and by the way, he was acquitted in the U.S. Senate of the charge of insurrection that was brought by the crazy Democrats in the House of Representatives. You're listening to Wednesday on the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Trump with a warning to Hamas at the Republican Jewish Coalition Conference. If you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'll get back to your phone calls and emails in just a moment. I want to talk to our friend, the Pulitzer Prize winning reporter for Willamette Week, Mr. Nigel Jaquiz. Hey, Nigel, welcome back. Thanks, Lars. Uh, you wrote a story, and it's a, it's a fascinating story about a, a commercial outfit called the North Warehouse. It's a very popular dance club, a you know, night spot, and they're they're getting closed down. It sounds like right before New Year's Eve. But let me ask you one question up front: Is this about just zoning issues where well that property isn't zoned right, or is this about the nightclub actually ignoring fire and safety rules that that could end up you know killing somebody? Uh, more the latter, I would say. I mean, the city's got a pretty clear fire code. It's not as clear as it could be, but they were, uh, the club, the North Warehouse, was regularly violating the number of people that they were allowed to have. The, the club has no sprinklers, uh, so they were supposed to have uh, fewer than 300 people on site, and they were regularly selling more than 1,000 tickets for shows. Wow. So they were putting, I mean, I understand you probably don't want to defame anybody, and I don't either, but is it fair to say that the North Warehouse, by ignoring those rules, at least based on what the rules are about, might have actually been putting people's lives at risk? Well, you know, I, again, I want to be careful. The city has a fire code that exists to keep people safe. Uh, they have strengthened that fire code over the years after massive deaths in nightclub fires there was a famous one in rhode island but the, the most recent one a decade ago uh caused uh, 240 deaths in brazil and the city really tightened its code after that uh the code was tightened for what are called uh non-assembly spaces the, the north warehouse is basically an old warehouse it's almost 100 years old and so they would have these big uh, raves, of, uh, electronic dance music late at night. I mean, in some ways, a perfect place for it because it's in an industrial zone far from uh, where people live, generally speaking. But there are still rules about how many people you can put into a building, uh, whether you can do unpermitted electrical work, which the club did, whether you can put in new doors between two buildings uh, without a permit, which the club did. And, and the, 
I think the fire marshal's office bent over backwards to work with uh, to work with this uh, operation. And uh, last Friday, uh, inspector went to a show and said, "Hey, you're way, way, way over capacity." Tried to call the police to help him get uh, uh, the crowd down to uh, normal size or, or legal size. No police available, so he basically stayed there. The fire inspector did, and uh, the next day, the fire marshal said, "That's it. We've had enough. You're shut down." Okay, so let me ask you two other, ba because I want people to read the whole story. The details are fascinating. I'm talking to Nigel Jacobs. You can find the story at wweek.com. Is it fair to say the nightclub's owners ignored or disregarded all the warnings they got, fix this situation and operate legally? Yeah, I, I looked at hundreds and hundreds of pages of emails and inspection reports, many of them from the past year where, the, the fire inspectors said, look, here's what you need to do, and where the building code inspectors said, here's what you need to do, uh, it didn't get done. Uh, crowds continued to be larger than uh, the fire code allows. Uh, the work that was done without permit uh, was not permitted. The doors that were put in without permit, uh, you know, they didn't fix that either. So, yes, I, I think the record would show that, City inspectors, who aren't always the easiest people to deal with, uh, gave uh, the club many, many, many chances to make this thing right. Okay, and the other thing is to this, because this is where I think it's really concerning, Nigel. By ignoring the rules, they made a lot more money. Because if they could sell, say, three or 400 tickets, uh, but, but if they decide to go to 1,000, they're selling 1,000 tickets. That sounds like a lot of money made by ignoring rules that put people's lives at risk. Uh, yes, I would agree with that. Okay, and then on the city side of this, you said the fire marshal bent over backwards. Did they bend too far, and were they neg was the city negligent in your review of the facts? Well, I, I was when I first got these records, I was surprised that the club was still operating because I looked at the code, and they repeatedly sent the code to the club owner and said, "Here's what the code says. You're not you're not following." It. Uh, could they, so yes, they could have, they could have, and perhaps should have uh, shut the club down sooner. Now, uh, it's not conspiracy theory Thursday, but a lot of people might say, "Well, then somebody was getting paid off." Was this just benign negligence on the part of the city? I can't find any evidence that anybody was getting paid off. Um, what I think is that the city has changed its code over the years. That club in, in that space has operated in a number of incarnations over the years. I think that uh, when the city most recently updated the fire code that uh, covers this building was 2000, January 2018, uh, I think that the owner of the club operated on the premise that he might have been grandfathered in from uh, earlier city code so that, you know, there's some ambiguity. Uh, lawyers are involved, and I'm sure they'll, hassle, they'll, they'll hash out that ambiguity. Um, Can, uh, but, 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 Nigel, um, let me ask you this. Can you be grandfathered in on something that actually has uh, uh, poses a current risk to life? I mean, I understand that if I had a house once that had a fuse box in it, and I asked an inspector once, do I have to replace that fuse box? And he said, no, until you do a remodel, you, you, you can leave the fuse box. And I said, it's not current code. He goes, that thing's decades past current code. In the end, I ended up replacing it. But the idea is I could be grandfathered in for something that wasn't presenting a clear danger right now. Can you be grandfathered past rules where violation of the rules puts people's lives at risk? 
Well, I, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I, I would say no. Uh, and I think the fire inspectors, you can see the line inspectors were going into that building on a regular basis. At one point, one of them wrote an email that said, gee, you know, this guy's operating illegally. He's not lying with our code. We've got exposure here if something happens. So uh, I think the answer is no, you couldn't be grandfathered in. All right. So now, obviously, this is a huge hit to a dance club that was probably planning to sell out New Year's Eve or probably at least do very well on New Year's Eve. Is there much likelihood that this stuff will get fixed and that the owner is going to come around and say, OK, I'll do the things I need to do uh, to be able to get it reopened? I, 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 you know, never say never. I would be very, very surprised because I, I think that the clear, a plain reading of the fire code would say they couldn't sell. They were looking to host, you know, 1,500 people on New Year's Eve, and I wow. think they had sold most of those. I think they had sold most of those tickets. If you, most of the tickets have been sold, if, if not a sellout already. Um, and I just don't see how legally, according to the fire code, you could get even half that many people on that building. They have three different event spaces, so maybe you could get a few hundred. But, um, no, I, I don't see how. They need a change of use to make this even, uh, you, you know, essentially a, a legal building, and a change of use takes forever in the city of Portland. And the, and the code inspectors already told them, look, we don't think you, even if you did everything right, we don't think you could qualify for a change of use for reasons that are too technical to go into on this show. So, Highly unlikely, I would say. Maybe wow. you have to make you and I are going to have to make alternative plans for New Year's. <laughs> yeah, because I was planning on some some hot nightclub action on on New Year's Eve. Nigel, I, I just find this fascinating. I mean, it's one thing when I, I'm not excusing it. I think the owner sounds like he's negligent, but he's probably figuring I'll, I'll operate as long as I can, as long as the city allows me to do it. It sounds like the kind of collective negligence. The only thing is, the owner may get sued. the The owner could be liable. But uh, but how often do you find the city possibly liable if there were something horrible to happen and people died? Uh, would people be able to go up against the city of Portland and say it was your negligence that let this happen? And and if so, which bureau uh, is that under? Who's which commissioner is in charge of that? That, that would be that, that would be Commissioner Rene Gonzalez, who's currently the, the fire the fire commissioner. And and Lars, I want to emphasize that was the exact point that one of the fire inspectors made in an email saying. If we don't, if we don't do our jobs, we're potentially liable here. Absolutely, that's Nigel Jacobs. You can find the full story at wweek.com. I'll be glad to get back to your phone calls and your emails at eight six six. Hey Lars, coming up, has education in the Northwest become one big joke with everybody, teachers and taxpayers laughing? Hey, I hate to admit, I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. 
your retirement your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Some solid advice from Senator John Kennedy. Look, if you hate cops just because of the cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Our question inspired by Colorado's Supreme Court, which yesterday said it's tossing President Trump off the primary ballot in Colorado. And I think that one's going to be reviewed by the Supreme Court. I expect the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn it. But if they don't, should states throw President Trump off the ballot for insurrection? I would vote no on that. You can vote any way you like. And I'd love to take an naysayer call who thinks he should be tossed off the primary ballot. We'll get to the general election a bit later because there's been no decision on that. And by the way, there is a lawsuit in Oregon to try to toss Donald Trump off the primary ballot. Don't know the status of that right now. I do know the Secretary of State of Oregon has already said she won't toss Trump off the primary ballot, but she hinted broadly he may get tossed off the general election ballot. So you can find the X poll or Twitter poll at Lars Larson Show. You can also find it on my website at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at Ultimate Truck truckservice.com. Let me take a couple of calls and I want to talk about education. Let's go first to uh, Anthony. Hey, Anthony, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Well, hello, Lars. Long time no talk. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well, sir. Thanks for asking. No problem, sir. I was going with a little theory, which I was trying to say for tomorrow, but I work tomorrow. I do believe <laughs> Epstein is still alive due to the fact that they lied about his suicide. You, you think so? So what's the evidence he's still alive? He's a pervert and he's a freak uh, and he's dead. But uh, I think he got murdered rather than suicide. But where's the evidence that he's still alive? Well, since the fact that it's almost impossible for the suicide, we already uh, uh, agree with that factor. And so if they were able to lie about that, what's the state that they just didn't use that as an excuse to get him the hell out of there and live a private life somewhere else? And when you say they got him the hell out of there, would that have meant that the federal government was allowed, was uh, involved in spiriting him out of there and then coming up with a fake body to take his place? Well, we never really saw the body, did we? Well, I, I guess as much as you see a body in any news story, they tend not to show dead bodies on the news or take pictures. Uh, but we saw somebody's body apparently leave there. But it's an interesting theory. I'd love to know if you've got any more support for it. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Tim and Eugene on the Radio Northwest Network and KPNW. Hey, Tim, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars. Uh, anyway, thanks for taking my call. I just want to really quick. Um, I don't really care if they take Donald Trump off the ballot. I'm going to write his name in no matter what. There's nothing they can do to keep me from not voting for Donald Trump. So I think I just want to make sure that I do it in a way that it, they can't reject it, which would be Donald Trump's full name, Donald John Trump. Yep. Yep. So I, I just think... tell everybody, you know what, they give you a write-in, write it in. You know what I'd like to know, Tim? I'd like to know, because we don't hear from the Republican Party of Oregon all the time. We talk to the Republican Party of Washington all the time, and believe me, we call both of them. I'd love to know if the Republican Party of Oregon will tell us, if they toss Trump off the ballot in the state of Oregon, 
Will will Oregon's GOP go to caucuses as the GOP in Colorado is saying they're doing? Washington State already has caucuses, and and then that crazy jungle primary they've got. But it'd be interesting to see if the Republican Party of Washington or Oregon will take steps to step around the primary and just say, if you're going to do it that way and you're going to toss our candidate off, then we're simply going to move our candidate to caucuses instead. By the way, I wanted to mention this. I think that public education in the Northwest has become one big solid joke. And let me tell you why. No standards, no expectations, lots of money for the teachers and the unions, diplomas for nothing. And now teachers who won't even honor the brand new contract that their union negotiated along with tens of millions of dollars of additional money for the teachers. Students, hundreds of them, who skipped out of school altogether after the end of the strike, teachers who skipped out of school, something like 30% of the teachers simply said they were going to call in sick or use some of their excuse not to show up and work. The school won't count the absence. They've already announced that because they want the kids to get taken care of. No, they want to be able to count the kids because there's money attached to them. And parents, apparently, parents care more about whether or not their vacation plans stay intact i got to tell you something. I've always been a supporter of public education. I think it's an important thing we do in America. We fund it better than every other country on planet Earth. There isn't another country that spends as much on K-12 through education as the United States does. But if what we're hearing is the teachers don't give a damn, whether you learn or not, they'll get, you'll get a diploma whether you actually can read, write, and count or not. And the kids apparently don't care because hundreds of them have simply said, well, if, if the teachers are skipping out from school, we're going to skip out from school as well. If the administrators don't care, then why in the world should we pay so much money to support a situation where the people most directly affected, the students, the teachers, and, of course, the state, if they don't care about the end result, then cut the funding dramatically. In Portland Public Schools on Monday, more than 9,000 students, 20% of the student body simply skipped school on Monday. 550 teachers skipped school on Monday. The numbers are likely to get worse for the rest of the week. This makes absolutely no sense. But, hey, I, I guess from their point of view, they say, well, you know, we're still getting paid. Our paycheck's still clear. Heck, the teachers are getting paid for the time they never even taught. And then when they were told, well, you're going to have to make up the education those kids missed for the better part of a month, what did the teachers say? They said, I'm going to fake being sick. And their union helped them. Their union said, if you're using sick time as a way to get out of work this week, make sure you don't take any pictures and post them on social media of you in some vacation place when you claimed you were sick. So the union helps the teachers lie. And if the teachers are lying, what do you expect the kids to do? You've got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you're in an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com. 
view the videos, and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. So, exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved Republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Live and now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and Merry Christmas in advance. If you'd like to join the best conversation and talk journalism, it's right here. And the numbers are 866-HEY-LARS. If you're a naysayer, 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And, of course, you can always vote in our Twitter poll. Boy, the Twitter poll having to do with the action yesterday of the Colorado Supreme Court saying Donald Trump is off the primary election ballot in the state of Colorado. No, the people of Colorado are not going to be allowed by their political masters on the Supreme Court of the state. Uh, to vote for Donald Trump. Now, I don't think that's going to stand before the U.S. Supreme Court, but there it is. Should states throw President Trump off the ballot for insurrection? My answer is no. You can answer any way you like, at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. And always brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Now, I would imagine that if I told you that there were some pro-Hamas terrorist members in Congress, you'd say, well, Lars, of course we know that. Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, the whole the whole squad. But is there sort of somebody else who's in the running to be a member of that squad, a uh, relatively new member of Congress from the state of Oregon, represent, supposedly representing the 4th District? Well, M Monique Despain is running to replace Val Hoyle, the uh, pro-Hamas <laughs> member of Congress, one of them. Monique, welcome back. Good to be back. Thank you. What do you say about Val Hoyle and the fact that she refuses to condemn rising anti-Semitism in the United States and apparently a Democrat Party-sponsored pro-Hamas terrorism point of view? It's unbelievable, and I, I, we need to raise voters' awareness. And um, it's just—it's such a no-brainer to condemn the rise in anti-Semitism in our country, around the world, and right here in Eugene. I was at a, a menorah lighting just last week and speaking to the wife of a rabbi there who said that she and her family are shocked at the pro-Hamas protester, protesters calling for genocide, and she feels alone. Uh, shame on our Congress people who allow our citizens to feel that way. And by the way, let's not leave Washington State out because one of the issues you've raised is donations that she got from a political action committee controlled by one of the most anti-Israel members of Congress, Pramila Jayapal of Seattle. Tell me about that. Yeah, she took $15,000 in campaign donations from that pack that's controlled by that character, uh, Pramila Jayapal. And have you and asked that, that she return that money? It. Have you asked not she returned return? it. And will she? Uh, well, that's a good question. I have not personally called on her to do that. But we did send out should. a press release. 
I, I think you should. I think you should make a public call and say, if you really believe uh, in, in, if you, in what you say, then you should return the money. Send it back to Pramila Jayapal. Well, this is a good start, just bringing it to people's attention. Absolutely right. How's the how's the campaign going now? I, I want to know about how it's going well. Because because you're up, you're, you're, you're in a tough spot, aren't you? <laughs> uh, well, uh, no, I don't think so. I think we're in a unique position here to prevail and finally get some good leadership and some some right thinking that supports the American values. I only mention that because Eugene is notoriously left-wing, Springfield not so much, the 4th District not so much, but uh, but Oregon's a tough state, uh, you know, where there are an awful lot of liberals. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a liberal. That's true. I was just at a uh, uh, Lane County lawyers Christmas party last night and met some lawyers that think we have a secure border, um, which what? just demonstrates the dangerousness of what? Mayorkas and his lies. Right. Well, I, well, I won't ask you, you to but... name names, but there are lawyers <laughs> in Eugene who are involved in politics who think we have a secure border. Tell me about I that. I don't think they're involved in politics. No, but I mean, you do have, there are people in our communities that just don't believe uh, reality, and that is a challenge. So that's why your show is so important, and my campaign is important, because we will continue to raise people's awareness about what's really happening. Um, but, but yes, Eugene, uh, I love Eugene. I live here, raised my kids here, um, and turned out a couple of strong conservative young men. But um, and I don't think that the loud the loud voices represent the majority on the issues of public safety and the secure border, the addiction problem, the homelessness problem. I think we have a real chance uh, to offer a fresh choice finally and get the work of Congress done for the people of Oregon. You know what I'd like to know, Monique, the next time you run into one of these lawyers or anybody else, you know, who you'd think would be smart people. I'd love to talk to one of those people on the air and say, and just ask him. I, I'd ask him this question. I'd say, nine million people illegally crossed the border in less than three years. A record number mm -hmm. for the entire country for all of its entire history. And you think that's secure. I'd love to have one of those lawyers tell me how, the, how they add that one up. But I know. It's a, it's a challenging conversation if you can even get a word in as edgewise. Um, it's by, a real challenge way, to, to, to get the truth out. We'll just keep working on it. Monique, I'm talking to Monique Despain. Monique, where can people find your campaign website so they can help you out? Monique4congress.com, as in unique Monique. Um, and uh, we are fundraising di diligently. The, the money is rolling in. Unfortunately, a lot of it is about the fundraising. So I would appreciate people going to what, my website, learning about what I stand for, and donating uh, as soon as possible. It takes a lot of money to run a campaign. Hey, I want to ask you, the, the, the issue of the day uh, came from yesterday's Colorado Supreme Court decision to throw Donald Trump off the ballot. Um, do you see the possibility of that happening in Oregon off the primary ballot? Anything's possible with everyone, everything we're seeing, but that definitely undermines democracy, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure People does. People need because... the opportunity to vote. 
I don't think of it so much as as Donald Trump, I, because I'm a Trump supporter, but I think of it as you're telling the voters you're not allowed to vote for the candidate we know you're going to vote for. He's got something like 58 percent of the vote in the primary polling. So he's he's going to get almost two thirds of the votes at this point. And, and so now the people of Colorado are told you're, you're not going to vote for him. We're not going to let you. And I can imagine them right. trying to do the same thing here. Well, that's why this, this that was a very dangerous ruling. Um, and today it's Donald Trump. It's, tomorrow it's going to be a, a different, uh, you know, president of choice. Uh, that's the same with the uh, condemnation of anti-Semitism. You know, today it's that Jewish community. But what what community is going to be targeted next? Yeah, because because the mainstream legacy media in this state will not call out Val Hoyle not on the half million dollars she funneled to her friends that were paying her cash at LaModa, uh, not to the fact that she cost the state a couple of million bucks in anti-discrimination lawsuit uh, settlements, uh, not any of that. They don't hold her feet to the fire. Right. They just say, well, she's a Democrat, so we have to be on her side. That's Monique Despain running for Congress against the very corrupt Val Hoyle. Back in a moment, I'll get to your phone calls and emails. And can you believe the spin that's going on? No, there's not a crime problem in America. And the New York Times and others are carrying water for Back in a moment. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Another strong take from President Biden on AI and the weather. Helping web tech, the web, the web telescope. My God, what is this? This is the Lars Larson Show. But let me remind you, please, take the opportunity to remind you, we didn't just leave a bunch of weapons in Afghanistan. This is a fallacy. This is a farce. This is a farce? That's John Kirby. John Kirby speaks for the U.S. State Department. John Kirby is out there gaslighting America to a fare thee well. Uh, I want to tell you what I mean by that, but first, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. If you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. I mean, it's almost unbelievable that somebody like John Kirby would actually stand there and say, we just didn't leave a bunch of weapons in Afghanistan. Hold on a second. Every single American who's been paying attention, especially in that hot summer of 2021, the first 
year of the Biden administration, knows that Joe Biden abandoned tens of billions of dollars of weapons. Some of the most sophisticated weapons in the world were left in Afghanistan. That included helicopters, it included Humvees, it included armored personnel carriers, it also included tens or hundreds of thousands of rifles and pistols. And now, not quite three years later, just over two years later, you've got John Kirby standing there saying, oh, this is a farce. We didn't leave a bunch of weapons in Afghanistan. That is classic gaslighting. You know where gaslighting comes from. It's a play in which the husband is trying to drive the wife crazy so she can go to a loony bin. And uh, and he keeps turning the gas lights down, but telling her, no, the lights are full up. Don't don't be fooled by your own eyes. That is classic gaslighting. So in this case, you got John Kirby saying, no, oh, we didn't leave a bunch of weapons in Afghanistan. Where'd you hear that? That's a fallacy. It's a farce. Tens of billions of dollars left in the hands of the Taliban. But the amount of gaslighting that's going on in America is absolutely stunning. And let me give you a great example. The New York Times is out there, and the spin they're running is this. They say, well, you know, it must be that Joe Biden's approval ratings, which have now hit record lows for Joe Biden, 34% of Americans approve of the job he's doing. That is down 10% from just July of this year. And you say, well, why is that? Well, I could give you a short list. How about massive increases in crime, massive increases in prices, American families going broke, and the government spending at a record level a $2 trillion deficit. Is that the reason? No, the New York Times has a whole different spin to it. They say, you know what? Uh, people are just believing that crime is up. It's really not up. It's actually down. No, it's not. In fact, take a look at the data. We talk about it all the time. Murder is up. Is it down from last year, one of the Biden years? Yeah, it's down from last year. Joe Biden and his friends and the mobs out in the streets shouting, uh, you know, defund the police and prosecutors elected by George Soros that refuse to actually prosecute people, even though that's the job of a prosecutor. If you look at the new Gallup poll, 92% of America, of Republicans, 78% of independents, and 58%, a solid majority of Democrats say crime is on the rise. But the New York Times and others are simply saying, no, no, that's just a lot of Americans who've been brainwashed by conservative talk radio and, and conservative Fox News. Well, they're not so conservative anymore, but that's a subject for another day. Can you imagine that they're running this theory when you have 92 percent of Republicans, 78 percent of those in the middle, independents and 58 percent of Democrats who think crime is rising? How many Democrats do they think are listening to talk radio or watching conservative news on television or on a stream? No, but they've got to carry water for Joe, so they've got to find some other reason to say, no, it must be something else, because actually things are going very, very well, and Joe's doing a great job. Anyway, glad to be with you. 866-HEY-LARS, 866-439-5277. Let's go first to Daniel. Hey, Daniel, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? You know, I have a question, and it's just that everybody's claiming to, you know, that we're a democracy when we are not. We are a republic. We're a federal, re federal republic, and there's a difference there as well. There is. Well, what, what are they claiming? We're trying to defend our... I, uh, I think, I, think the, the, I can tell you why I think people say it that way, Daniel, and it's understandable. We are a, a republic, meaning a representative form of government. The people elect representatives, both in their states and to the Congress. 
and then those representatives allegedly carry out the will of the people. So that's a, a Republican simple terms. But we have elements of democracy because we vote for those representatives. We don't just have the government choose a bunch of people and say, you're representing this state or you're representing that state. So we are a federal republic with elements of democracy included in it. Does that make sense? Uh, I, no, not really. <laughs> I, remember, I remember in school, uh, I, I used to have to stand every morning, put my hand over my heart, and pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America to the republic for which it stands. Yeah. You know, I didn't say to the democracy for which it stands, it's to the republic. And so um, everything about that flag is, that, is our country, is our, you know, solitude, you know, that's what well, I've always except, been except that, it, it, for one thing, the Pledge of Allegiance uh, is, I think the pledge should be said in every public school in America every single day. But having said that, the pledge is not the law or and it doesn't define us. So if you say we're defining it only as a republic, well, how are those representatives chosen to represent you in this republic? And you say, by a vote. So you have you have right. a big chunk of democracy in there, and then if somebody says you, well, do you have direct democracy? And you say, well, direct democracy, as in the town gets together and citizens vote on virtually everything, uh, might work in a very small town in Maine or Vermont, but it doesn't work for a country as big and as populated as we are, because you you couldn't begin to have a public vote on everything. So we're definitely not a full democracy. But we may not be a full republic as well because people are allowed to choose their representatives and unchoose them as well. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But shouldn't, shouldn't people real, realize be, be realize that we are a republic you know, as well? Yeah. But then what happens, yeah, so. Daniel? Daniel, when when yeah. we have a situation like this, where, for example, Colorado Supreme Court says you can't have this candidate on the ballot, we're not going to yeah, let no, you. Yeah. We're, we're not going yeah. to let you vote for him. Well, in that case, is is the representative part of our government threatened or is the democracy part of our government threatened? Didn't threaten? That it could be the democracy part. Right. And that's why we're, we're an animal. We're kind of an interesting animal. The longest lasting republic, I think. There may be one longer, but America's republic, uh, for any country of size, I think there's some small ones that have been around a bit longer, but... For any country of any size, we're the longest-lasting republic in world history, and it's uh, it's. And if I'm wrong about that, I'm happy to be corrected. But but I believe we're one of the longest-lasting, you know, decent-sized countries that is a republic. And so and and I think it threatens our democracy when judges, many of them unelected, sometimes they are elected, decide we're going to decide for you. You're not allowed to have Donald Trump on the menu when it comes to the primary yeah. election. I think that is a threat to the democracy end of our republic. But you're right. And most of the people who say we're a democracy and don't know we're a republic, it'd be great to have them be educated just a bit about that because they need to understand we are a representative form of government. Direct democracy, I think, could never function on the kind of scale that the United States would require. Glad for your call at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show.
upcoming American elections promise some provocative politics, but be forewarned, the Green Agenda may lead to some extreme rhetoric. Die, get pupper! So prepare yourself by listening to The Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you, and I'm always glad to have my friend Hans von Spakowski. I'm going to talk twice as fast as normal because, Hans, I want to get a lot of questions in. Hans is a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. He specializes in elections. So the first question, Hans, the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, Section 3, is Donald Trump is the president of the United States an officer of the United States? No, and that's not my opinion. That's the opinion of the United States. Supreme Court, which in multiple um, decisions has said that term, an officer of the United States, only refers to people who have been appointed to office in the federal government, not individuals who have been elected. And that's why they made the distinction of adding in senators by name, House members by name, but did not. Uh, and so if you were appointed to the House, you would be you would not be. An, or you would be an officer if you're elected. But they said under the if you were part of the uh, insurrection against the United States, especially in the Civil War, you would be forbidden to run for for federal office, right? That that's right. But but that provision, Section Three, does not apply to a president or a vice president. So it just it doesn't even apply to Donald Trump. There's no reason to even get into. Well, did he or didn't he commit insurrection, which all these liberal courts just love doing, like the Colorado court. But the point is, Section 3 doesn't apply to him. And, and I'm sure you know, you know, you've now got a case uh, going on in Oregon, too. Yep. And then there's an attempt to remove him from the ballot, which means the U.S. Supreme Court is going to, we hope, take this up quickly and slap it down fast. Can we hope for that? Yes. Yeah, the, the only the Colorado Supreme Court's decision was yesterday. The only appeal um, from a state Supreme Court is to the U.S. Supreme Court. So uh, given the importance of this issue and the fact that there are multiple cases like this going on, I would hope that the Supreme Court will jump on this immediately. Well, and Hans, let me ask you this procedural question. Ordinarily, the court takes up a question, decides that question. Uh, but in this case... Would they take up Colorado, uh, for for example, and say, okay, you're wrong, this doesn't apply to him, and by the way, to the rest of you states that are trying to do this, it doesn't apply there either? Or or can they go that broadly with a, 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 a decision they make? Oh, they can go that broadly, because look, if they overrule the Supreme Court and say, well, we, you and I just talked about, a president is not an officer of the United States, therefore... Section 3 of the 14th Amendment does not apply to Donald Trump. That wipes out every other case around the country, including um, the case in Oregon. And does it also have an impact on the case that was brought by the special counsel against Trump? Does that apply? No, there? because uh, no, because in fact, that's one of the issues in this case. Um, Look, the, the, the indictment that the special counsel brought against Trump, there's no charge of insurrection or rebellion. Right. I was going to get to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's not even in there. So, so, you know, here you have the Colorado State Supreme Court saying, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Donald Trump was guilty of insurrection when he's never been convicted. He's never been charged. And in fact, 
the U.S. Senate acquitted him of that charge in the in the second impeachment trial. I was going to ask you because Hans, can I generically describe an impeachment as a kind of of uh, indictment? I mean, the House effectively yeah. indicted Trump, and they did indict him for the specifics of uh, specific crime, uh, high crimes and misdemeanors of insurrection, and the Senate acquitted him. Right? Yes. Yeah, and that's why it's so um, frankly uh, wrong for a, a basically a local court, a state court, four judges to claim that um, they can override and substitute their judgment for that of the United States Senate when their judges from one state. The U.S. Senate represents all 50 states, the voters of all 50 states, and the U.S. Senate said uh, the president was acquitted from any charge of engaging in an insurrection. And by the way, Hans, if if the Biden DOJ had believed that it could successfully bring a or even likely successfully bring a charge of insurrection against Donald Trump, they would have, wouldn't they? Yes, of course. Of course they would. And they, they didn't. They don't seem to, No, and they and they did and that's why uh this this decision by the Colorado court. I mean, look, that's just that's just two of the things wrong with it. There are many other errors and, and mistakes in it. Well, let's talk about them. Where are the other major errors for people who are right now picking up their phones or turning on their computers and looking up the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment? Uh, there's two other things. One, um, there is an old court decision uh, uh, in which Samuel P. Chase, he was then the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, said... Section 3 is not self-executing. In other words, it can only be enforced if Congress passes a law providing for enforcement. Congress has never done that. That means that no court has the authority to try to um, enforce Section 3. The Colorado court just overlooked that and said, well, we can enforce it if we, if we want to, okay? And then the fourth item, which... In their long decision, they didn't even mention it. <laughs> um, if you look carefully at that, that Section 3, you'll see at the end a very unique sentence. It says, Congress can, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, basically get rid of and void Section 3. Cure the disabilities, and, the way they say it, right? Yes, that's right. And in 1872... Congress passed an amnesty act that got rid of it, except for a couple of exceptions. And in 1898, they passed a second amnesty act that got rid of it entirely. Well, well there's there's doubt that that section even exists today from a legal standpoint. Let me ask you something. When they framed the 14th Amendment and wrote all the sections, they had endless debates. I've read some of them recently because I want to refresh my memory of those things. Why didn't they, why did they specifically exclude the president from that list that appears to include state legislators, uh, U.S. senators, House members, other federal officials? Why didn't they? Was there a specific reason they didn't say, yeah, you shouldn't be able to run for president either if you're from, uh, if you, if you sided with the Confederacy? Uh, I think that was, I think they believed that they would be invading. Um, the separation of powers and putting in requirements uh, on the executive branch that they really uh, shouldn't be doing, that it was up to the American people to make that decision, uh, not them. 
Do you think that Colorado Supreme Court members know this is going to get shot down immediately by the Supreme Court? Well, we can't guarantee that. I hope that's what happened. But, look, these judges are clearly um, ideological partisans masquerading as, as judges, because otherwise how could they ignore the prior cases, for example, I, I, I've just talked about, like the U.S. Supreme Court saying an office of the U.S. doesn't include the president, and yet that's a requirement for Section 3 to apply. They, they just ignored that. Do, do they have bad clerks at the Colorado Supreme Court? Clerks no, that didn't, I think they, didn't get good grades in law school or something? No, I think they just don't care. Because, look, the bottom line here is that can you think of a more undemocratic decision? Because no. these four judges <laughs> took away the ability of the more than 4.5 million voters of Colorado to make their own decision on this. Absolutely right. Hans von Spakowski, Senior Legal Fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Hans, it's always a pleasure. Back in a moment, I'll get to your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. If you're a naysayer, oh, this subject just deserves a good naysayer. Just call in at 866-439-5277. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Constantine Kissin on Hamas. For years now, many of us have been warning that the barbarians are at the gates. We were wrong. They're inside. There are positives as well. I mean, say what you want about Hamas supporters. At least they know what a woman is. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you on a Wednesday. Always glad to take your calls, too, at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. I got to tell you about some breaking news that just came down. And this kind of surprises me, given the Oregon courts and the fact that the state of Oregon seems as wedded to climate craziness as the state of Washington is under Jay Inslee. An Oregon court today has invalidated the state's entire so-called climate protection program. Now, I don't think it actually protects the, plim uh, the climate, but what it is is they want to have ever-increasing cuts in emissions from the state's natural gas utilities, suppliers of gasoline, diesel, kerosene, and propane, and large industrial plants. Wow. I mean, this is huge because you understand that an awful lot of what this program has been doing is it's been driving both industries and everything else out. The things that we depend on. I mean, can you imagine 
what life would be like in the Pacific Northwest if you couldn't get gasoline or diesel or kerosene or propane, if large industrial plants were facing every single year a demand will cut back your emissions this much more next year and more the year after that and more the year after that. And the two examples that come to mind, uh, one of them is a concrete plant from, uh, actually this was during Obama, and it was a concrete plant in eastern Oregon. And they had just invested, I think it was $20 million to become compliant with regulations, in that case EPA regulations, uh, on mercury. Because when you make concrete, you, you have mercury as one of the side effects. And they had just invested this massive amount of money to cut their mercury emissions dramatically. And then the Obama administration came in and said, guess what? We need you to cut them more. And you know what the company did? They said, okay, we're shutting the plant down. I mean, they had no choice. They had just sunk a gigantic amount of money into the plant to meet the current regulations, and then you get regulations that amp those up dramatically. You say, okay, that's it. It no longer makes financial sense to run this. Second example, there is a large glass recycler. In fact, it's one of the only recyclers within about 100 miles. And you can see it. It's near the uh, Portland International Airport. And every single year, they've hit, had more and more and more requirements put on them. And they've said, at some point, you're going to make these requirements so crazy and so outrageous that it won't make sense to run this plant anymore. Now, the way you can see that plant, if it, I think it's still in operation now, is there are massive mounds of glass bottles. And they take these glass bottles and they melt them down. And you make new glass out of it. It's not exactly uh, hugely economical, but it does make sense. And the plant's owners said to the city of Portland, the state of, state of Oregon, said, if you keep tightening these restrictions at some point, economically, we'll have no choice but to shut down. And at that point, what you're going to have to do with all the massive amount of gla recycled glass, you're going to have to truck it hundreds of miles to an alternate place to take care of it, and maybe not even there. So that's what those rules have been doing. Well, now a court has struck the rules down. They say that Oregon's three gas utilities, and this is from the fish wrapper, an oil industry group and a dozen other trade associations had challenged the program's rules last year, saying we got to block these things. And apparently the Court of Appeals, the famously liberal, crazy liberal Oregon Court of Appeals, has found that the Environmental Quality Commission, which sets the rules, did not meet the disclosure requirements required to write those rules. So, they say the rules, the requirements come into play as the state adopts new rules that apply to industries that have to obtain what's called a Title V air permit and, uh, you know, reserved for major sources of air pollution. So it sounds like this thing that was only put in place in December of 2021, two years ago, is just saying you're going to have to cut emissions over and over and over again. The goal under the program's rules was for fossil fuel suppliers to reduce greenhouse emissions by 50% by 2035, 90% by 2050. Large industrial plants have to have a 50% reduction in just the next uh, 11 years. And the program only went into effect in January of last year. And they say the legal challenge has apparently said, nope, the EQC adopted the rules in a way that was not not in compliance with state law. Let's go to Neary in Seattle. Neary, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Um, yeah, I'm just uh, wondering regarding the definition of, uh, uh, what is it, uh, democracy, 
like they say, it's, it's dangerous for our democracy versus republic. I just yeah. wanted to say that the republic is not necessarily a democracy. A uh, no. republic is a set of rules that is a governing the rest of the rules. is the rule of the land, and mm. that's what well, the country is Neary, founded I, on. Neary, I'm going to tell you a simple definition of a republic is where power is held by the people and their elected representatives. And that was the definition I used when I was speaking to a gentleman a few moments ago. The, the power is not held by a monarch or a, you know, a king, uh, but is, is held instead by peop, the people and their elected representatives. But isn't it like a set of rules that is no, governing well, from them I mean, the rule, the, other rules? If, if you're talking about rules, meaning, you, you know, how are decisions made? Well, in a, in a king, in a king, in a monarchy, they're made by the king. Uh, the king makes the rules. In a republic, the rules for how things run are written by the people's representatives, and the people have a right to keep those representatives or replace them with someone else when they feel they're not being properly represented, which I'd say is just about the case right now and just about all for the last last decade at least. Neary, thanks for the call. You got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the pit so? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Lars. This is the Lars Larson Show. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. This is a dark day. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Lars. No. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. Almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, and my cat. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you and always glad to take your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Thanks for joining us on the Radio Northwest Network that is very close to celebrating 24 years of serving the states of the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. And if you want to jump into the conversation, it's 866-439-5277. Naysayers always go first, although the naysayers seem to be acting like wallflowers today. They're not exactly anxious to jump in and say, yep, we should be throwing Donald Trump and everybody else off the ballot if we possibly can. But 
You can also vote in our Twitter poll. Should other states throw Donald Trump off the ballot as Colorado's Supreme Court, all of them appointed by Democrat governors, did yesterday? Although I'm fairly confident that that decision is going to get tossed out by the U.S. Supreme Court. So let's go to something local. And that is D.A. Mike Schmidt Show. His actual name is Mike Schmidt, but he's turned the city and the county into a Schmidt show because he is a prosecutor who doesn't want to prosecute criminals and puts victims last. And a young lady who's written a lot about that on Substack, the Substack called Portland Descent, is Pamela Fitzsimmons. Pamela, welcome back. Uh, hi, Lars. So you wrote about an incident, not an incident, but a an event that Mike Schmidt decided to attend uh, it, it was a movie and it was a film party, but the film was really a documentary. And I want you to say what or tell us what you wrote about at Substack, where you described this as being a bit descriptive of what is going on, not only in Multnomah County in Portland, but probably in a lot of other places where very liberal, very non-prosecutorial DAs have been chosen. Yes, this film, which was shown at OMSI, at, at OMSI's Empirical Theater, was put on by a... Uh, outfit called Oregon Justice Resource Center. It sounds neutral, but it's not. It's very progressive, very progressive. And in attendance uh, uh, at this film, and basically this is sort of a kickoff. It was a sneak preview into what Schmidt is going to try to tell voters. Um, this was about the, the, the injustice of mass incarceration. And the film is about uh, Chessa Boudin, the very liberal, very progressive San, uh, San Francisco DA, who was recalled last year. And last year, Schmidt tried to help uh, Chessa Boudin. He gave him some money and, uh, and, and tried to help him out as best he could. Now, uh, Schmidt is, is, is in need of help, and so Chessa Boudin and this film were shown about a week, almost two weeks ago at OMSI, at, uh, and it's about Chester Boudin's parents, who spent a lot, many years in prison for participating in a Brinks robbery in which a security guard and two police officers were shot dead. And this Brinks robbery was in service to the Black Liberation Army. Uh, Chester Boudin's parents were uh, members of the Weather Underground. They were terrorists, and, uh, right? Exactly. They were domestic terrorists. And as, as his mother says in the film, you know, revolutionary groups are always in need of funds. So that's why the Black Liberation Army robbed this Brinks uh, truck. They wanted money. And Chesa Bedeen's parents, both a white couple, they participated because they were going to be the getaway drivers. And because they were white and because the robbers were black, they figured they could bypass police uh, police uh, uh, stops because they're white and the robbers are black. The robbers would be hiding in the back of this U-Haul truck that was being driven by Chesa Boudin's parents. And that's pretty much what happened. Uh, the truck was stopped, and Chesa Boudin's mother got out, and she, according to her, she held up her hands, and, and, the, and the cops immediately relaxed their stance. The cops said no, that the white woman who got out of this truck, she waved her arms and pleaded with them that they were innocent, that there was nothing to be afraid of. The cops lowered their guns, and out came the Black Liberation Army bursting out of this uh, this U-Haul truck. They were uh, armed with M-16s, and they were wearing body armor. And the cops didn't stand a chance. 
the security guard and two cops ended up dead. And one of the police officers, by the way, happened to be black. And after he was wounded and on the ground, one of the black Liberation Army members went up to him and point blank shot him dead. Executed him. So, so tell me that, you know, Pamela, exactly. I, want, I want you to comment on one thing, and that is when Chesa Boudin first ran for DA in San Francisco from a distance, I looked at that and thought, this guy is the son of terrorists. He doesn't have a prayer becoming a district attorney of a major American city. Why in the world did but, San Francisco, do you think they, they picked him? Well, okay, San Francisco is kind of different. And one of the things that was interesting about uh, uh, that this film delves into his campaign, and it shows all of his campaign staff. And near as I can tell, they were all female. And his mother praises his campaign. His mother, by this time, was out of prison. And she was talking about the fact that it was brilliant that Chessa embraced, he embraced his, uh, his parents' past. He, he said, he, you know, it used to be that Chester tried to portray them as, you know, a Robin Hood kind of thing. But he didn't do that in this campaign. He basically brought up the fact, yes, my parents were in prison. Yes, this is how I was raised. This is how I turned out. Maybe if my parents hadn't gone to prison, I would have been raised differently, and I wouldn't be running for DA. So they inspired so, uh, him. Having terrorists exactly. as parents inspires you to run and be a guy who believes Beyond Bars is the name of the movie, a movement, not a moment. Would you mind commenting on what that title means? Because both Mike Schmidt and Chesa Boudin, now the recalled DA of San Francisco, seem to believe we shouldn't lock criminals up. Exactly, and that's the movement they're pushing. Ending mass incarceration, that is the movement. Beyond Bars, they are going to argue that prison doesn't work, that... Uh, that, that what we need to do, we can make people safer by giving criminals what they are lacking. If you give criminals what they're lacking, they won't turn to crime. Drugs and, and you money? Have to mind, uh, <laughs> among other things, but they, you know, they also need friends. You know, they need companionship. Rapists rape because why? Because, well, they need companionship. Um, so That's insane, that, isn't it? Well, I think it's insane, but you know, he's... The thing is, Schmidt knows that this will work with a progressive populace. It worked in San Francisco until they saw the results. Uh, one of these interesting facts about politics is that it's one of the few endeavors where sometimes the winners come off looking like losers when their philosophies, their policies are put into practice. You find out whether or not their politics actually work. And in San Francisco, they discovered that Chesa Boudin's progressive politics didn't work. The criminals loved it. Criminals are not stupid. Uh, at Portland Descent, we have some excellent commenters. And uh, one of our commenters is a retired federal prosecutor. And he pointed out that he has been amazed at how many career criminals can recite all the various mandatory minimum sentences under the federal criminal code for firearms, robbery, drugs, etc. They know the rules. They know, they, yeah, they know more than social workers. They Unbelievable. That is Pamela Fitzsimmons. She writes at the Substack called Portland Descent. Pamela, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. When we come back, I'll get you your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And coming up on the Radio Northwest Network, American scientists who misled the Pentagon about...
is staring at you. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com. View the videos and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Brought to you by American Humane. Ronald Reagan knew better, do you? All of it began the first time some of you who know better and are old enough to know better let young people think that they had the right to choose the laws they would obey as long as they were doing it in the name of social protest. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you and always glad to take your calls. I got to tell you about this. There's been a new development involving Wuhan, the virus, China, and some really dirty dogs in America, including Anthony Fauci, including people at the CDC, at the FDA, and at major American universities. And what they did, we now know because of the right to know foundation it's a it's an organization i don't have any direct contact or a direct connection with them i don't take any money from them let's put it that way i really wanted the author of this piece on but i wasn't able to get her on on short notice but this just popped up last night american scientists lied to the pentagon about research that was being done in communist china and when did they do this lying? Well, you might remember, we're coming up on the anniversary of the beginning of the pandemic three years ago in the early part of 2020. So when were these lies being told? Well, they were being told two years earlier. And we now know, you know, parenthetically, that uh, com communist China knew they had a virus and an epidemic on their hands, not in early 2020. They were still lying about it in early 2020, and so was the World Health Organization, and so was Anthony Fauci, and so was the FDA. But the Chinese knew they had a virus and a pandemic on their hands in the fall of 2019. And why is that important? Because if communist China had done the right thing and said to America, hey, we got a pandemic possibility, it's an epidemic now, or it's likely to become an epidemic, uh, but we want to give you a fair warning, a lot of things would have happened differently if they had simply told the truth. But we can't trust the Chicoms to tell us the truth. So they lied and lied and lied all the way into January of 2020. And it was only on the 31st of that month that Donald Trump said, I'm shutting down all flights between the United States and Communist China. If I remember correctly, about 20,000 people a day flew routinely out of China into the United States, out of the United States into China. And allowing that to go on for more weeks and months made the situation even more difficult to handle in the United States. So that's the history. What do we know today that's brand new? And I'll give full credit to the Right to Know Foundation. 
They go out and dig out public documents, and they make them public, like a lot of good organizations like Judicial Watch do. And here's what they've concluded. Uh, Emily Kopp is the, is the author's article, so I've got to give full credit to her, and, and I hope to talk to her at some point in the next few weeks. American researchers concealed their intention to do high-risk coronavirus research in Wuhan under lax safety standards from the Pentagon the year before the COVID pandemic. U.S. Right to Know got the documents. I can cite chapter and verse on this. And, you know, I know that a lot of you will go to websites and there are all kinds of crazy things on the Internet. I'm always impressed when somebody says, here are the documents, here are the links, you can read the documents yourself, you can see where they came from. So take yourself back about five years to 2018. And there was a grant proposal. This is where you go to the federal government and you say, we'd like to get some money. And what do you want to do? It's called Project Defuse. And it was co-authored by who? The Wuhan Institute of Virology and a group of American scientists. They had an idea to do some research. The problem was that in the United States, gain-of-function research, where they take viruses that don't infect human beings and make them infectious to human beings. And if you're asking, well, why in the world would anybody want to make a disease that doesn't infect humans start infecting humans? I've been asking that question for the last three years, and I still haven't got a satisfactory answer to it. But here's what they were proposing. They wanted to take, and this will sound familiar, high-risk coronaviruses of the same species as SARS and SARS-CoV-2. And what they wanted to do, and this will also ring some bells if you paid attention during the pandemic, they wanted to synthesize spike proteins with what are called furin cleavage sites, the same kind of thing in SARS-CoV-2 that supercharged CoV-2 into the most infectious pandemic pathogen in a 100 years. In fact, some of the scientists have said that diffuse was a blueprint for generating SARS-CoV-2 in the lab. So what did U.S. Right to Know, this organization, do? They found out that the experiments were proposed to happen in Wuhan. And why would they want to move all that research to the other side of the planet, to a communist country run by an evil government that does not have America's best interests at heart? And the answer is really simple. The rules are different there. They wanted to save money. And this is the U.S. scientists and their friends in communist China. They said, well, you know, if we do it in America, we got all these rules and regulations. In fact, to his credit, Barack Hussein Obama actually said, we're not going to fund any gain of function research in the United States. Now, this put a real crimp, you know, put a hitch in the get along for some of these scientists to say, hey, it's really fun to take viruses and see if we can make them infect humans, even though they don't infect humans right now. Again, it sounds crazy and mad scientist to most of us, because what could the possible benefit be? We're going to take diseases that don't make humans sick, and we're going to turn them into diseases that make humans sick. Now, who were they applying for money from? The Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, known as DARPA. All right. DARPA involved in the Internet way back when and everything else. Uh, they're supposed to be an agency of the federal government that goes out and funds research that will advance, give us, you know, new and clever stuff to do in the defense of the United States. In this case, it ended up being incredibly bad for the United States. And a couple of other names that will seem familiar. Ralph Barrick. Now, Ralph Barrick is a scientist. He's at the University of North Carolina. And then there's Peter Daszak. 
Dazic is the head of the Eco Health Alliance, and I've been running into both of these names in all of the stuff I've read over the last four years. So Barrick is in charge of a lab at the University of North Carolina that focuses on coronaviruses. And Dazic with Eco Health Alliance, they both worked with the Wuhan Institute of Virology on gain of function to make coronaviruses more deadly. But what did they do when they went to the Pentagon? said, hey, we'd like to get a DARPA grant to do this research. They deliberately, according to the emails obtained by Right to Know, this private organization, they went to the Pentagon and said, uh, in fact, in one of the emails, let me read part of one of them, if we win this contract, I do not propose that all of this work will be done by Ralph, meaning Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina, but I want to stress the U.S. side of this proposal in other words, say, yeah, we're going to do all this stuff at UNC. And don't mention Wuhan a lot because, quote, DARPA needs to be comfortable with our team. Once we get the money, we can then allocate who does what work. And I believe a lot of this work will be done in Wuhan. In other words, they wanted to work under the rules of Wuhan. They wanted money from the United States. Did they get the money? Yep. And one of the important things to note, and I can't cover everything that Right to Know got a hold of, but they said most of the people who do work with these uh, coronaviruses say you don't do that in a biosafety level two lab. That's where you wear a face mask and, you know, not a not a uh, not a hood, not a suit, not a space suit. But you do it under a hood and you make sure that, you know, that you're reasonably well protected, but certainly not like biosafety level three or four. Well, in Wuhan, they were doing it under biosafety level two instead of number three. And the rest, as they say, is history. Glad to be with you, and it's a fascinating piece to read. Uh, we'll put the links up at my website at LarsLarson.com. 866-439-5277. you got the Lars Larson Show. And the Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Elon Musk sums up America's government. And what I see all over the place is people who care about looking good while doing evil. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails, and I'll do that in a moment at 866-HEY-LARS. But first, I want to welcome back to the program Dr. Curry Myers, who is a criminologist and a former sheriff and state trooper. Dr. Myers, Merry Christmas in advance. Oh, Merry Christmas to you, too. Appreciate you uh, having me on. I'm glad to do it. Uh, when I saw what happened, the Texas state legislature said, look, Joe Biden is not going to enforce immigration law. We have an invasion. It's damaging our state. And they passed three laws. And Governor Abbott signed the laws earlier this week and made them or signed the bills and made them into law. And uh, and I had a lot of people just outraged. How dare a state try to do what the federal government refuses to do? Is that a bad idea to have the state take on a, a responsibility and something that's demonstrably damaging a state uh, if the federal government won't do it? No, in fact, uh, there's many instances where state um, law enforcement authorities help and take on federal crimes and statutes, uh, look to the to the problems with drugs and drug enforcement. Uh, there are many, m most of that is governed under federal law and law enforcement certainly um, arrests under under those circumstances. Now, they usually get adopted by a federal agency, such as the DEA or FBI, 
that it hasn't been unusual, but this is what's unique about this particular situation is the federal government who usually has responsibility for immigration in the country is actually violating its own law. So there are the ones that are in violation of the law, and as a result, we're having people who are coming into this country illegally, and they're committing criminal acts. It's not just the fact that they are coming into the country illegally, which is a crime, but these Texas authorities are also dealing with numerous issues associated with weapons violations, state weapons violations, sexual offenses, sexual assaults, robbery, theft, kidnapping, the furtherance of drugs, fentanyl, uh, burglary, assault, and even homicides are associated with it. So uh, I'm not an attorney, but it's my understanding that nowhere in the Constitution or any congressional statute is immigration enforcement granted solely to the federal government. In fact, um, Supreme Court Justice Scalia said when he was alive, it seems to me entirely appropriate when the state uses the federal law as a criterion for the exercise of its own power and the implementation of its own policies of excluding those who do not belong here. And so there's there's an example. And we have to understand that Texas is a little different. It actually came into the United States as a sovereign nation on its own, it, unlike any of uh, our other states. Uh, and there are some powers with sovereignty associated with Texas uh, that are longstanding that um, Texas hasn't um, really needed to to wiggle that that side of the of the law, but there's probably not a better time to show the federal government that if you're not going to do uh, and enforce the law, then we as Texas have a responsibility to enforce the law. Yeah, Dr. And Myers, I, 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 like you, I'm not an attorney, but I'm curious. Immediately after Texas passed these laws, the governor signed them. Uh, the ACLU, the American Crooks and Lawyers Union, immediately went to court and said, we're going to contest this. And I kind of wonder how they're going to do in court. As I said, neither one of us is an attorney. But to, to go to court and say, you, Texas, can't pass a law saying that it's illegal to enter Texas from a foreign country. If you're not doing it legally, you're committing a crime. And our police are going to enforce that. I don't even know. I, I know when they went against Arizona years ago under Obama because Arizona said, we're going to enforce federal law. And the federal government said, no, you're not, because you don't have the authority to enforce federal law on your own. I mean, when you were a, a sheriff and a state trooper, I'm sure that there were federal laws that you were aware of. But you'd say, well, if I want to charge this guy federally, I'll hand him off to the U.S. Marshals or the FBI or, you know, the U.S. Attorney's Office. And they would take care of it yeah. or they wouldn't. But but that you weren't crossing that line. Arizona tried to cross the line. They got slapped down. But can they slap down a, a, a state for saying, you're not going to do this, so we're going to write our own laws that we're allowed to do, and then we're going to enforce them? I don't know how they go after them on that. Yeah, and as to your point, it's Texas law. They're not, they're not trying to do federal immigration enforcement. They're following their own statutes. And I, it probably would be more difficult if they made it more onerous than what the federal law is, but they haven't. They're, they're, they're mirroring the federal law, basically. So they're not making it tougher to come. I could understand if they made it tougher to come into this country. That would be, you know, every state would then be able to do that, and there could be some sort of legal chaos as a result. Uh, but they're certainly not making it tougher. They're just going to enforce the existing uh, – they're going to 
they're mirroring the federal statute and saying it's going to be a state law and we're going to use uh, law enforcement to do it. And and there are some things that they're they are prohibiting. There there are certain areas where they're not going to go. They're not going to go into hospitals. They're not going to go into um, religious institutions. They're not going to go into schools. Uh, and the and the other issue is you, they have to have, they have to have probable cause to make the arrest. Well, probable cause means you have to either see or have evidence to support the person came into the country Ill, illegally. Yep. Um, so a, a lot of these folks are making they're 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 saying it's a racial issue. Which has nothing to do with it. Um, the law enforcement has to have, have to have probable cause, specifically in the statute, to be able to arrest somebody. And probable cause in this case would be the law enforcement officer has witnessed them coming coming into the state illegally and the, and the United States illegally as a result, or they have some documentation, photographic or some other evidence to support the fact that they've been in the country illegally. Well, uh, so uh, to me, it oh, makes sorry, to ahead. me it makes sense. No, I mean to me, from a law enforcement point of view, it it makes sense to have that kind of extra effort. When I was a state trooper, I I stopped people that were in the country illegally. They didn't have any driver's license. They didn't have any information. That, um, uh, and I actually took them into custody, but they were kept at the jail under a federal watch list until the U.S. Border Patrol or Customs could then come and investigate it further. Um, so, you know, law enforcement already does have some of those, but just in the recent years, federal law enforcement basically has said, we're not coming. So that's kind of thrown that ability for law enforcement, local and state law enforcement officers to be able to help out the federal government because basically they're saying, well, if you have them in custody, we're not going to come do anything about it anyway. Well, and, and, and Dr. In, Myers, in this time, we got, yeah, yeah. No, I just in the meantime we got you know, uh, 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 the watch list for terrorism is is at two million now coming into this country. Two million out of the nine. Yeah, it's an unbelievable two million, number. Two million people are on the watch list. That uh, the terrorism watch list as of today, according to federal uh, authorities, and and you know we have we have at least more almost seventy thousand that are on the spe- special interest category that we know have come into this country and that means they have been seen coming into this country and that's and so wouldn't the, it be the, enough the Myers, if, if you're down at the rio grande and you see somebody swimming across or walk wading across and then they're greeted by border patrol and written a little citation saying show up in court wouldn't that be enough to say that's probable cause to believe this person is entered illegally in fact joe biden's border patrol has just written you a citation so I know you're coming into the country. It's at least probable cause. Would that be enough? Absolutely. That and we, they have drones. They have electronic capabilities to prove if someone has crossed into the border illegally. Um, so it, it's to me, it's the, the 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 problem goes back to the federal government has abdicated their responsibility. You're absolutely right. Dr. Myers, thanks very much. That's Dr. Curry Myers, criminologist, former sheriff and state trooper. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. The 
ground. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Truth be told, Lars has welcomed naysayers for 27 years, but occasionally... Who is this person who speaks to me as though I needed his advice? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. Glad to be with you and always glad to get to your calls. I want to give you a little update. My buddy Todd Starnes, um, he runs our affiliate station in Memphis, but he's, he's talking about the fact that Texas... Texas has apparently decided we're not just going to sell, send busloads of illegal aliens to other major blue state cities like Chicago and New York and Philadelphia. They're going to send airplane loads. And they're not sending them like the president uh, has done, where they say, well, we're going we're gonna to have the busloads come in. They'll be relatively discreet. Or even the airplane flights come into obscure airports in places like Westboro, New York. No, they're flying them right into O'Hare International Airport. So they're right out there in front of God and everybody. And now, a 100 illegal aliens, according to Todd, just boarded a flight bound for Chicago. He said, I'm sure the citizens of Chicago's South Side will be rightly perturbed by these invaders. And that's a good thing. It sends a message. Let's go to uh, Paul in Woodenville. Hey, Paul, welcome to the Lars Larson Show on a Wednesday. And Paul, I don't know, do you celebrate Christmas? But what's it to you? Well, I just wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. And, you know, these days people tend to get their backs up, especially if they're liberals, uh, at being wished Merry Christmas. I don't oh, know they why, do? but okay. they do. Yeah. yeah, they do something. Right, Merry well, Christmas. It's, anyway. not why, it's not why I called, but... Okay. Uh, what's on your mind? Yeah, I... I uh, th thanks for wishing me Merry Christmas uh, and the same back at you. Uh, by the way, I think that the, that the human trafficking into Chicago is going to result in the impoundment of uh, buses, and uh, the, the city of Chicago is going to do that. It will impound uh, these such buses uh, and, and hold these uh, companies accountable for human trafficking. But your guest, your previous guest, by the way, is getting is correct. The state of Texas had didn't have any special sovereignty uh, privileges being admitted to the Union any more than any other colony did when the Union was formed. Just because Texas came later didn't mean they have a, any special sovereignty, sovereignty privileges. Uh, when they joined the Union, they, they, they um, forfeited those. Well, I, I'm not a lawyer, and you're uh, still, what, working on your law degree? I can't remember, but... Uh... But he, he made that assertion. I know that there uh, have been. By a, the way, do you celebrate Christmas? Yes, I celebrate the birth of my Savior Jesus Christ. I do. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, and I know Jesus loves you too. He loves you back, Lars. He, he even loves you. Do you consider yourself a solid Christian, by the way? I I do. 
Yes, you do. And what makes you a solid Christian, Lars? Uh, I believe that my salvation and my forgiveness of sins comes from Jesus Christ and that my relationship with God doesn't have to go through a pope or anybody else goes through. Uh, through, I, I can talk directly to God. So you're kind God. of saying that, that I, the, the people who, the, you're just they're sort of disparaging Catholics there. So Well, I, I do think they, do, uh, let me ask you, you seem to know the book pretty well. Does I the do. Bible tell you that you shouldn't practice idolatry? Like the, multiple um, times? The Ten Commandments, yes. I no, not just oh, the Ten Commandments. The entire Bible repeats over. There are a number of places where it says, look, you can't have idols. So, okay. is it okay to worship the the Virgin Mary? Is the Virgin Mary an idol? Well, well I would say that the when you say worship it, what else do you worship but idols? Well, hold on a second here. Uh, do you believe in the Immaculate Conception? Yes. Okay. It's absolutely it's absolutely that? central to Christianity. There was immaculate conception. Yeah. Jesus was born, lived thirty three years, died on the cross, and was resurrected three days later. Pretty simple. Okay, well, you either believe it or you don't. You haven't studied enough, Lars, to know that since the beginning, the immaculate conception didn't presume that uh, God. But you dodge uh, the question: Are we no, 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 treating? No, no. Does Mary become this, an idol if you're this, asked to worship this is her? The sinlessness of Mary. It's the sinlessness of Mary, not the not the way in which Jesus was conceived. It's the sinlessness. I didn't debate the, how Jesus was conceived. Jesus' father is God. I mean, I know. I... <laughs> no, no. You see, that's where you got it wrong. It's because it's because Mary was sinless is what makes. I, I it think that. you may be reading it. Maybe you're reading that King James Bible, the one that was published by the guy whose pre predecessor, Mary Queen of uh, Mary Tudor had murdered uh, 300 men because they had the temerity to translate the Bible into English, which is why I've never really liked the King James Version, period. It was published well, well, by wait, a well, really well, evil well, government. But mm -hmm. So which, which do you, you read the Swedish uh, translation? No, I, the Geneva. The first Geneva. Bible, okay, well, first uh, Bible uh, translated into English about 50 years before King James said, Hey, these people with this Geneva Bible, they're stealing all my thunder, so I will publish my own Bible. And by the way, he made a few redactions from that Bible that are significant, uh, because oh, yeah. the Bible warns about uh, having uh, that our war is against princes and principalities and places right. and people in high positions. He had that stuff stripped out of the KJV. Well, do you read, do you read Greek, Lars? No. Okay. Well, then, don't talk about translations, because, uh, yeah, there are problems with every translation. If you don't read it in Greek, and by the well, way... I'm sorry, I'm sure you do. But, Paul, let me ask you something. Should I be a bit suspicious of a king who says, take out all that stuff about worrying about people in high positions? Because he well, was he, in a high position. Suspicious of Thomas he had a dog in the fight. Suspicious of Thomas Jefferson, who did the, who, who, the Jeffersonian Bible. He cut out all of the... All of the miracles. Right? I don't remember. I don't, he cut out all of the miracles? There's not, not a lot left after that, but, Paul, I appreciate the call. Merry Christmas to you and yours, Paul. You're listening to the Lawrence Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? 
Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.